give you thanks. We give you thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, we need the fire of you to burn in us once again. Not just as us here at Freedom Church, Lord, but those churches all around the world. We need the fire of the Holy Spirit once again. Come into our lives and change us around. Make us the men, the women, the church, the bride that you want us to be. Burning us, Lord, and get rid of that dross. As I see here in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus says this to the angel of the church in Ephesus, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds. We can't pull one over God's eyes. Jesus is the one that walks in the middle of those golden lampstands. And though it's the wind, he, his job is to clean up those, the dross in the lampstand so that the fire can keep on burning. That's what we have to do, Lord. The church, me, have to clean out the dross by repentance. Your word tells us that if we repent, the refreshing Holy Spirit will come once again and liven us back up. And as the, as the Lord blows away, cleans up the dross, Lord, we come alive again. And the fire of your Holy Spirit burns within us. We need that fire today, the same fire that fell upon the early church of Pentecost. Lord, fire us up once again. So much that when we enter the presence of our friends, our family, our neighbors, even our enemies, they would see the light, the glorious fire of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ in us. Clean us up once again, Lord. We repent and we know your word tells us that times of refreshing will come upon us and that's what we need. Today, liven us up, fire us up, let us dance in our hearts before you because you are the king. In the name of Jesus Christ, Father, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. You may be seated, church. Um, for those online, I just want to introduce us. This is Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here. I know that some of you just tuned in, so we got to tell you who you are. And, you know, you just heard the prayer, so we always start in prayer. But we're, we're Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. We're in Lantana, Florida, a quarter mile west of I-95 on the north side of the road. And uh, if you're local, stop by. There's people in the neighborhood over the years that just walk here, bring their bike here, you know, um, and just do it. Some of them didn't even know Jesus, but now they're, some of them are in heaven and some of them aren't. You know, it's amazing what God does. You know, just every church has its, its niche, its specialty, Amen. just like you you know, where you have an occupation that you that you uh, do, and you do it well. Well, each church has an occupation, I guess you could say, and they do certain things very well. So, but, you know, we're just a little church, but I believe we're mighty in the spirit, 
And we you know, we uh, love the Lord with all our heart. And that's really all it takes to just fall in love with Jesus once again. So anyway, if you've just tuned in and uh, you just search the web and you end up here, this is Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. So come on, come on back next week at 10 a.m. We start every week at 10 a.m. and also 7:15 on Thursday nights. So um, now we dig in. We try to dig into the gospel. Um, next week I'll be back in I think chapter nine of Matthew. That'll be our like sixth time in the book of Matthew. I'm not the book of Matthew, but the ninth chapter of Matthew. So we're digging in, you know, see what the Lord has to say to us. So come on by. Um, <clears throat> for those of you that go to the website, you can find out all about us, location. You can find out our ministries. You can listen to messages from years back, and you can even donate online. I just advise everybody, just because some people aren't back to church, you still need to support your ministries of the church that you, you, which you are in. And, and keep on uh, allowing the church to move forward. The enemy would just love to snuff it out. You cut off the supply line. If you're in the army and you want to defeat a, an enemy, you cut off the supply line. That's what the devil's trying to do with the Christian church. Cut mm -hmm. off the supply line so the missionaries can't go out and mission, you know, be mission-oriented mm -hmm. and, and um, win people over to Christ. And it's going to take that last Gentile, because this is the age of the Gentiles, going to take that last Gentile. We don't know where he is. So we got to keep on searching. It could be Brazil. It could be Africa. It could be, you know, China. It could be Ukraine. Mm. You know, um, it could be any nation. So keep your the gospel going. Jesus said the gates of hell won't prevail against the church, and it won't, but you can slow it down. And I don't know about you, but I think we need to speed things up. We need to hear that trumpet sound and that shofar blow and then the dead in Christ arise first, and we are alive and remain. And we caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And that's what I'm, I'm all about. I, I can't wait for that day. So thank you um, for everything, and keep your ties going to your churches and, uh, and any other ministry that you learn from. You should try to support them also. And with, with uh, you know, just offerings and blessings to them. So... I think that's all I have about to say. For those of you here today, as you well know, Brett Hennis is here. He's a missionary evangelist. He's got more than just being a pastor or a mission missionary. He's more, you know, got all three going from what I can see today. And I don't know which way God's going to lead him or all the way um, to, to be all of them. But you know what? He's young, able to move forward, and this is the church of tomorrow after... Some of us older people are already gone. So, Brett, come on up. We love you. You know, um, Brett speaks here quite often, so you're going to have a real treat today. Thank you, Brett. Okay. Let me pray for him real quick. Extend your hand forward. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for Pastor Brett here, Lord. I pray that your, your words come through loud and clear. And I pray, Father, that even the people online are blessed with what you have mm -hmm. to say to him to them through through Brett here. Lord, to you be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. Good morning, Freedom Church. Good morning, Florida. Good morning, America. Whoever's watching online, I saw I saw a couple people in India 
uh, watching online, people in Africa. I saw people all over the world today. Just uh, We have a live feed. I saw the map of the world. And uh, as you guys know, I was a missionary. And currently, I'm doing an international you know, evangelistic work. And I love reaching the nations. I love seeing people get saved from all over the world because that is the will of God. Jesus said, I have sheep that are not of this fold. And a lot of times as local churches, we can get so caught in what's happening locally in Lake Worth, Florida, or Palm Beach County, or America, or Canada, or wherever we're from, that we forget the bigger picture. We forget what God is doing, that He rules and He reigns from heaven's throne, and earth is His footstool. He rests His feet on earth, He rules over the affairs of man, and His will is that people from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue will come to Christ and be in heaven. And that's what... That's what will happen. If you read the book of Revelation and you see the end of all things, you see a great multitude which no one can number. People wonder why we go after numbers because every number has a name. Every single person on this earth was paid for at the cross of Christ. Their sins were nailed to the cross. He loves every single person individually the same. And he gave his life to save us, guys. And he wants people and he will have people and such a great multitude in heaven, it says no one can even number them. I don't know about you, but I'm mathematical, and I think angels are pretty smart. They can't even number the amount of people that will be saved in heaven. It says in Revelation, there will be people from every tribe, tongue, and nation represented and saved in heaven. And that's why we go and preach the gospel. And that's why we don't stop like Pastor Joe said, because there is more that need to be saved. That number hasn't been completed. That work hasn't been finished. The Great Commission is not yet accomplished or Jesus would have returned, guys. And that's why we go. I didn't even plan to say any of that, but Pastor Joe got me started. <laughs> so God bless you guys and good morning again. You know, whenever you invite uh, a, a missionary or an evangelist to preach, you know, you know how that goes. So get ready. But today, I, I really felt you know, uh, before before I get started, I, I wanted to share <coughs> a little bit about what's going on in the world in our ministry. Uh, I know Pastor Joe actually recommended that I take a few minutes. So before we open the Word of God, I'm just going to take about five minutes and, and get started here. But I want to get you excited about the teaching today. So let me just give you the topic, and then we'll get back to it, okay? So if you're watching online, uh, if you're here today, you can open your Bible to two places. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and it's going to be, um, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. So Ecclesiastes right there after Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes 3, and 2 Corinthians chapter 6. The topic, the title, the theme of today's message is going to be what time is it? What time is it? So you might be wondering if I forgot my watch today. I actually purposely left it at home. I'm not asking you what time it is. I know what time it is. I can see the clock back there. Thankfully, Lewis, he knows how long I preach usually. He goes, brother, I'm just going to do four songs this morning because I know you need your extra time. I go, thank you, brother Lewis. God bless you. He, he knows I'm a little long-winded, so he, uh, he shortened the worship for the time in the Word of God. But I did not forget my watch. I'm not asking you what time it is on the clock. 
What I mean is, what time is it on God's heavenly clock? What time and season in which we are living in, spiritually speaking? That's what we're going to talk about today. So we'll get back to that in about two minutes. I just wanted to give you the, tra- the trailer, get you excited. So Pastor Joe uh, asked me to share a little more about our ministry today because um, we are in a new season. You know, we formerly were missionaries in Brazil. I lived personally in Brazil for seven years. Uh, after I got married, me and my wife and my family, Nona, we lived in Brazil for five years. And we were foreign missionaries who lived on a foreign mission field who served primarily in Brazil. And we did a lot of evangelistic work. We did a lot of training, equipping of the saints, but we started an actual church. We actually started a new church in a very poor community, in a very dark community. And we knew, uh, I want to explain to you guys a little, because uh, I, I seem, it seems that I'm a little confused why so many people are confused about our ministry. And I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I've reiterated this a number of times. Like people are still coming up to us. And they're like, hey, man, you know, glad to see you back. I'm like, bro, um, we've been back for two and a half years. <laughs> we've been living in America for two years now, okay? We, we lived in Brazil because the Lord God spoke to me. He called me one day. He said in Genesis 12:1, just like Abraham, leave your father, leave your house, and leave your country, and go to this land that I'm going to show you, and I'm going to bless you. He spoke to me. The Lord God himself called me as a missionary to be a missionary and preach the gospel in Brazil. So we went there in obedience to Christ. That, that was the primary reason, to reach souls, to preach the gospel. And over the course of the seven years we were there, we did just that. We were faithful to our work. Pastor Joe and the teams came down. We had numerous teams come down and help us start the church, help us plant the church, help us water the seed. New believers were made. You know, we didn't go to just swap sheep, you know, start a new church and start some cool thing and bring Christians from other churches over. No, we went after the lost souls, and that's what we did. And we saw demons get casted out. We saw people get healed. We saw new believers come into the kingdom of God. And then the Lord raised up a local leader. So we knew, I'm just saying all this to to explain a little more, but we knew the Lord wasn't calling us to stay in Brazil for the rest of our lives. He made that clear to us on our journey down there. And the Lord, in that seven years, began to prophesy over us. He began to speak to us about the next chapters. And he began to show us things that were to come, that that we were to do later after this. So we found a local leader. We found a man of God that the Lord raised up. And the church now is under his leadership. He's the local pastor. We're not. We're supporting them. We're almost kind of like elders or maybe apostolic, you know, encouragement to them. But we don't. We're not leading that church. There's a pastor who's Brazilian. His name is Renato, and he's an amazing man of God, and the church is flourishing under his leadership. And our ministry, okay, so what we do now, we planted the church, and just like Paul, he went to towns and he preached the gospel. He started churches, and then he found a local leader, Epaphrodites, Timothy. You know, he, he found local leaders to raise up and take over so he could continue preaching the gospel where it hasn't been preached yet. I'm not comparing myself to Paul. I'm just saying that's the type of ministry he did. So that's what we did, and the Lord clearly called us back. So we are not going back to Brazil, guys, and we just want to make that clear to you. The Lord is not calling us to go back to Brazil. We're not going to move back anytime soon. 
if he tells us to do so in the future, we'll be willing to. But what we're doing now, okay, our ministry is the great harvest ministry. And I won't take much more time. But what we're doing now, okay, our ministry exists for primarily three reasons. And this was bathed in prayer. I mean, we diligently sought the Lord. We, we, we went into scripture, me, Matt, Nona, our team, for a year. And we birthed, God birthed this ministry called the Great Harvest Ministry. And we started it for three primary reasons. Number one, the Bible says, preach this gospel to all creation. Jesus said that to his church, right? Mark 16. Our calling, not just as our ministry, this is the calling he gave to his entire church, is to proclaim his gospel until the end of all things, until the second coming of Christ. And it's so funny to me. I just, I tell people that, and it's almost like they get confused. So what do you do? Tell me again. I'm like, I just told you, we preach the gospel of Jesus to all creation. Number two, we make disciples, right? And we primarily do that, Jesus said in Matthew 28, make disciples. So we primarily do that through church planting, through encouraging churches that already exist or planting new churches that don't exist in places of need. And then thirdly, we equip and we train the saints, okay? We equip believers to go out and preach the gospel. That's exactly what we did when we went to Brazil last year. We had a training camp for the church. We had almost 50 students who learned how to preach the gospel. I mean, we took them and we equipped them, guys, to be fearless, to be bold. We took them. We didn't just sit in a room and talk about it. We, we imparted to them the Holy Spirit. We prayed over them for power and boldness. We taught them the word of God, and we took them into the real world, and they saw demons screaming out of people. They saw sinners getting saved in front of their faces. We led over 800 people to Christ just December of last year in Brazil. And then they get plugged into local churches. Now, we are connected to a ministry now called CFAN, Christ for All Nations. The Lord led us to become an evangelistic, international evangelistic ministry. And just to put it all in a nutshell, you know, because many people are asking us and just wondering what we're doing. If you guys remember the time and the man, the evangelist Billy Graham, right? Everyone remembers Billy Graham? Okay. I'm not comparing myself to Billy Graham at all. Trust me. I'm not even close. But what he did was very simple. He had a home and a family, and he had a mission hub, I call it, where he came back to. And then he would launch out and go do his international crusades from home. So if I can make it simple and put it in a nutshell, that's basically what we've been called to do right now. We've called to raise our family and have a home and launch out from there and go to different nations and countries and places as the Lord leads to preach and proclaim the gospel. So this year, just this year, we, are, we have already started a local evangelistic team that goes out every week, every second week at least, and we preach the gospel locally. We preach the gospel in the city. We go out to the bars, to the clubs, and we reach lost souls. Okay, so we are locally, consistently evangelizing. We are discipling people. In Brazil, since the day we left, okay, um, when you give to our ministry, let me just explain this. We, since we moved back here, we stopped taking any money from our ministry. We don't take a salary. We don't take money for hangout, vacation, cr conferences. Unless we're going on a mission trip, we take no money out of Great Harvest funds. So when you donate to our ministry, we filter that mo money right into the mission field. 
we currently support four missionaries. We support two missionaries in Africa. We support two missionaries in Nepal. And we support two evangelists named Ryan and Charles who you guys met. And these guys are actively preaching the gospel every single day everywhere they go. We monthly donate money to them. And we also give to our church in Brazil. We help them pay rent every month. So that's where our money goes. When you give to us, we don't take a dollar. And there's, let me tell you something, guys. As a church, you guys, I'm not a part of the board here. And I don't make any decisions financially. I don't get involved with any of that. I know we live in tough times. And I'm not going to harp on this any longer. But I really want to encourage you guys. Please give to your local church. Please give and don't get, I know that our pockets are getting tighter. Times are getting darker. Things are getting harder. But don't stop sowing into the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus said, don't store up treasure on earth, guys. It seems like everyone in the church is trying to save themselves right now and invest and build. And it's like the opposite of what Christ said. He said, don't store up on earth where it is subject to destroy moth, rust, and thieves, but store up your treasure in heaven because that's where your heart will be is where your treasure is. Guys, if there's ever a time to invest in your local churches, to give your tithes faithfully, even if you're just watching online, guys, you should still be giving to the local church or the gospel ministry that go out. And look, guys, there's, I, I'm not trying to boast, but I've been around a while and I've seen a lot of ministries. There's a lot of ministries that are out there doing good humanitarian work. There's a lot of ministries out there helping Christians become better Christians. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, we got the Bible and the Holy Spirit for that, right? There's very few ministries, especially right now in this pandemic season, that are actively on the front lines preaching the gospel and reaching the lost. And I'm encouraging you guys, sow your, sow your time and talent and energy into ministries like that. I'm encouraging you guys, please, because the kingdom of God is advancing and the time is short, okay? I'm not twisting anyone's arm. I just wanted to encourage you. Don't get caught up in what's happening on earth. Don't try to store up things on earth for yourself. Jesus said, if you save your life or try to save it, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake and the sake of the gospel, you'll find it, right? So I just want to share that. Lastly, uh, my wife, this is just my final announcement. You see how I need more time? My wife made cupcakes. We're not asking for a specific amount. If you would like to donate, the money, whatever it is, a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, she has cupcakes in the back. Every penny you give, we're going to put it straight into Ukraine. Souls that are going to get saved. We have a team from Christ for All Nations they're going to the front lines of the war. They're going to the border of Poland and Ukraine where hundreds of thousands of people are flooding, fleeing into the borders of Poland. They're going to be there right there on the front line preaching the gospel to people. So it's just an opportunity, guys, okay? I'm just a bridge, and I just create opportunities for the church to become more globally involved with missions. So just see my wife. Again, I'm not twisting your arm. If you feel... God wants, you, you want to sow and give into that, just talk to my wife back there. She's got some lovely cupcakes. She made them by hand all night. She spent all night making them. So they're homemade. They're not like Walmart cupcakes, you know. All right, so let's get into the Word of God. And first of all, before I pray, I thank you guys so much. 
I, I needed to say this and meant to. I just thank you guys so much because this church has been so faithful in giving. This church is so small in number, but you guys have been so faithful to the Lord, so faithful to us as a ministry. Even when we moved back here, all the churches just left us to the streets. They're like, good job. Thanks for, hel- thanks for helping out the kingdom for seven years in Brazil. I know you got a family, but they cut off our support immediately. They didn't even give us transition time. But Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches stuck with us even till now. And I just want to say thank you guys for your faithfulness. You guys are amazing. And what you give, actually Freedom Church doubles it, guys. They double. What you give to missions, they double. I don't know if you know that. But that I don't know any church that does that. So you guys are amazing. And I just wanted to thank you for that. Fathers, we open your word. We give you praise, God. We give you the honor. We give you the glory. Lord, I know you're going to speak today. It was even in the songs, the, the theme of the message. God, that we would burn, that your fire would burn in us. Lord, Pastor Joe was already praying, Lord, clean out the dross. We want to be a holy flame for you, God. We want to be a burning flame for you. And Lord, we just thank you. Everyone watching online, everyone here in the room today, everyone under the sound of my voice that will hear your word, God. I just pray you will touch my lips like you did the prophets of old. I pray as we open the word of God, your spirit, Lord, will speak to men and women, that you will open our hearts, God, that you will clear out the dross in our lives that we will burn and nothing would hinder what you want to do in us and through us for your glory, God. I know this is going to be not the easiest message, God, to stomach, but sometimes you call us up higher, and I know your spirit is here moving, God. I pray you prepare our hearts in Jesus' mighty name, that we wouldn't just be hearers of this word, but doers, that we wouldn't just hear the message and forget what we heard and go back to life as usual but that we will be changed and transformed, God. Because the gospel is not just a message of information, but it transforms, it's transformation. Lord, I pray you will transform our minds today, our hearts, and the very way we live our lives, God. Because time is short, and time is of the essence. We love you, Father. We love you, God, because you first loved us. And we invite you, Jesus, to be Lord to be Lord. We know you're Savior. We know you're the one who shed his blood on the cross, but we invite you to be Lord of our lives right now. Come and rule and reign in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. So I started today by asking you a question, what time is it? And again, I just want to reiterate, I meant what time is it spiritually speaking? What is the time and season in which we are living? What's the time on on God's heavenly clock? You see, because even though God is eternal, He has a plan and a purpose that's unfolding exactly in the amount of time that He ordained it to uh, unfold, right? And every thing we do in this life is very important. Every decision we make And time is a very important matter. The Bible 
the Word of God, guys, speaks so much about time. Do you understand this? In fact, the beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis, it starts by talking about before time began. There was God. The very first verse in the Bible talks about before time began, God existed. There was God. It talks about how time was created, the beginning of time, how God created night and day. And the first day was, and he made the sun and the stars and the moon and the sky, and he created seasons and times. All the way to the end of the book in Revelation, he talks about the end of time. What will happen in the end of all things? And how God will do away with this old former things on earth. He will do away with this earth. He will do away with the things that we know. Everything that is. It says he will make a whole new heaven and a whole new earth. And he says, and death shall be no more, and sickness and pain shall be no more, and there shall be no more sorrow or crying or pain. Amen? I don't know about you, but I'm ready for that time to come. But it's coming at God's appointed time. So the Bible all throughout the scriptures talks about time. You see, when God created the earth and the universe, including mankind, he also created us inside of this time capsule because he has a purpose, and everything's ticking and talking and moving and everything is it, it doesn't stop guys you understand you can't you can't go back one day you can't rush ahead and go into the future all of our efforts to you know go into outer space and go into these other realms and these stupid billions of dollars we're spending to find out like if we could loop through black holes and get through time it, it's a waste of your money guys <laughs> invested in the kingdom amen you can't rush time. You can't get ahead of time. You can't get behind it. It's going according to God's timing. And it's very important. Time is of the utmost importance. And you and I, as human beings on earth, we all have a very limited amount of time, right? We know that. I'm only 36 years old, but I, I realize it's, it's 70 years is like the average lifespan of a man. 70 years. I'm already over the hump, guys. I know most of you, everyone here is older than me, but I'm, pa I'm passing the middle ground now. And some of you guys are just living on grace years here. <laughs> you guys are, you, you know, it's a miracle. We're all still moving and breathing in this place. But 70, I think it's 70 plus 10, right, Joe? Is that the promise of God? 70 plus 10. He always quotes that verse. That's the years of a man's life. At most, at best. Listen, what you do with the short time you live on this earth, it will determine not just where you spend eternity, but how you spend eternity. Do you understand? The, the little time, and maybe, maybe you're older. I, I understand, like, I'm 36, I'm a young man, and, and some of you guys are in your 60s, 70s, 80s. How little time do you have left? How little time do we all have left, guys? And do you hear me that, the decisions with how we spend our time on earth, the little time we have, this will determine how you spend eternity and where you spend eternity. So guys, this is a wake-up call. It's not going to be one of the, my fluffy messages. You know, I, 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 the last sermon I think I preached here was um, on the compassion of Christ. I think we lost that recording, but it was beautiful. I love I love digging into the heart of God and the compassion of Christ. It was such a lovely, enjoyable, gracious, you know, God-filled message, right? If you were here for that. This isn't going to be one of those. I'm just warning you ahead of time. I'm sorry. 
we need to sometimes wake up and get more aware of what is happening in the Spirit. Ecclesiastes 3, I had you turn there. Let's go ahead and read that. In 3 verse 1, I'm just going to kind of speed up for sake of time. But it says, To everything there is a time and a season for every purpose under heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away and gather. A time to embrace and to refrain from. A time to gain and time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. There's a time to love and a time to hate. There's a time for war and a time for peace. Amen. You see how much time is in the Word of God. Now, before I I go on, I want to explain a little bit. The writer of this book, uh, King Solomon, the man of wisdom, the man of God, he talks about just times and seasons and how for everything under heaven, everything under the sun, there's a time and a place. So I just want to make a note. He is not trying to uh, uh, approve of or state that death or killing or mourning or tearing or hating or war are good things. He's not saying that. Okay? He's just making a statement that these are the things that happen on earth. And there's a time and a season for all of these things. And there's these cycles that continually go on earth. If you go through the whole book of Ecclesiastes, he's just talking about the cycles and patterns of the earth. So he's not approving of hatred or war. He's just saying there's a time for it. And the Bible's not condoning certain things. It just talks about the reality of these things. And you see, because of sin, this sad reality in which this world lives, sin has brought death, sin has brought sorrow, sin has brought plagues, sin has brought evil, sin has brought corruption, Sin has given place to the devil. Sin has given open doors to demons. Sin has created all this devastation that we see and experience today. It wasn't God. In the beginning, God created, and it was good. Amen? It was good. It was pleasant. It was perfect. But when sin entered through man, it wasn't the devil. It was through man. You want to know who's at fault? Stop pointing fingers at God if you're watching online. It's us. You know who raped the little girl yesterday? It was a man. You know who murdered their brother? It was a man. Like Cain killed Abel? Whose fault was that? God's? He warned Cain, don't do it, Cain. Sin's at your door, knocking at your heart. Don't give in. But he did it anyway. You see, Jesus said all evil comes out of the heart of mankind. All adultery, all lust, all lies, all cheating, all stealing, all killing, murders. It comes from our hearts. And because of sin, why do you think there's a war going on right now? Man, competing, fighting, hating one another. Age-old enemies rising back up from World War II. We thought it was over, and here we go again. What has been shall be, just like Ecclesiastes said. And here we go again, another cycle of war. For the heart of man is desperately wicked. A lot of us lost loved ones. You know, we just had two 
funerals or memorial services yesterday. I want to apologize. I want to confess truly I wanted to be here, and I would have been here had I did not lost a dear close friend, and I was at another memorial service. Her name was Mama Deborah. Some of you even know her because she even came to this church and visited at times. But she was a faithful servant of God from Calvary Chapel, Palm Beach. And she passed away just a couple weeks ago. And I know, um, you know, Harry lost his wife. And I want to give my condolences. I don't want to get cold on the, in this message because the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, we just read there's a time to weep and a time to mourn. You know, and we... When we lose loved ones, Ma, I called her Mama Deborah. She was that close to me. She had no children. I became like a spiritual son to her. But it was a wake-up call for me. It was a wake-up call. She was such a soldier. This woman was called to suffering, and she faithfully served God in her suffering. And instead of whining or crying about it, every time she went to the doctor, she preached the gospel. She was suffering from four years old, diagnosed with diabetes until her death. She suffered with so many ailments, I can't even begin to list them or I'll waste the rest of my time here. <laughs> but she was a woman of suffering and a woman just like Jesus, a man of sorrows. But she faithfully suffered and preached the gospel through it. And the Lord took her home. I just, you know, she called me and said she got COVID. And I, in my heart, I confess, I, I thought she was going to make it. She suffered so many things, and I thought there's no way COVID's taking her out. There's no way that's what's going to get her. And she actually didn't die of COVID. Her heart failed. She had a heart attack in the hospital. But I went to visit her the night before she died, and they didn't let me in. You know why? I went a little too late. I went just a co- I was a little too busy with my life, with my family, my bills, and I got to live with that, that I just went a little too late. And I thought she would make it. She was gone. The next day, gone. I know she forgives me because she always did. <laughs> And I sent her flowers. They wouldn't let me in. So I went and bought her flowers. And I said, you make, this sh- you make sure these flowers go up to my mama, Deborah. And they said they, they did. So I trust they did. But I'll see her again. I know we'll live in eternity and rejoice together forever. And she don't even care about that stuff no more. Amen. She's in glory dancing with Jesus. But time is so crucial, guys. I missed the mark. You see, there's a time to tear, there's a time to mend. The Bible says there's a time for love and a time for hate. In verse eight, 7 and 8, Ecclesiastes 3, there, it actually says there's a time for war and a time for peace. You know, church, I, I need to talk about this because it's happening again. The world is at war again. If you think it's not, wake up. Wake up. You know, this could potentially be World War III before our, our very eyes unfolding. Europe, my wife's from Europe. I'm very aware of what's going on in Europe. We, we have a heart for Europe. We go to Europe. We minister in Europe. We're going to Finland later this year. We're going to Egypt later this year. We'll talk more about that later. We have a team going to Poland right now to the front lines of this thing. And Russia has invaded a sovereign country called ukraine they're calling this you know what they're calling this in europe the most volatile dark times in europe since world war ii this is no joke guys there's blood in the streets there's innocent there's soldiers on both sides dead right now 
There's innocent people being slaughtered right now. Putin has given an order to take Kiev, Ukraine, the capital city, at all costs. He literally said flatten them. There's two million people there, guys. Do you know what that means? He just gave an order to flatten a city with two million people. He said take the city. Do you guys get what I'm saying? We're at war. Here it comes again. The hearts of men rise. The sin, the depravity, countless lives. Tens, hundreds of thousands are fleeing. They're hiding in bunkers and basements. They're fleeing over to different countries. And guys, this will not end easily. No one's helping. The U.S., the the European uh, Union, they're not sending soldiers. You know, one of our old presidents, I didn't pull up his name, forgive me, but he said that all it takes for evil to prevail is for what? Good men to do nothing. You guys know the phrase. And, and there's times where we have to rise, guys. I'm not talking politics. I'm not saying what our president should do. or your pre- I don't even know. I'm not in their shoes, and I thank God we need to pray for them. That's what I say we do. Pray, guys, and begin to seek the Lord for wisdom. I don't have the answers, but I do know if we let this, you know, continue, just like World War II will happen, we had to get involved anyway. And thank God it wasn't too late. But how many millions of Jews were slaughtered in the meantime while we waited and we folded our hands and time just passed and time just passed until it came to our doorstep? You see, church, I'm not just talking about physical war here. This is spiritual war. We are in a war against principalities and powers, according to Ephesians and the Word of God, and wickedness in high places. What do you think is driving the driving force behind these wars? It's demonic powers. It's wickedness in the heart of man. You know, we cannot be unaware of Satan's devices or we will fall asleep, guys. When you're in war, you don't slumber. Pastor Joe is a, world, uh, a Vietnam veteran. You didn't get much sleep in those days, right, Pastor Joe? Didn't get much sleep because he was at war. Okay, guys? And this is real stuff. This is real talk. This is real reality happening. We're at war with the devil and his evil forces. We are at war with this world and all of its lusts and all of its lies coming against us constantly trying to deceive us. We're at war with our own flesh, our own deceitful hearts. On the way here this morning, you want to see how much we're at war? I'm preaching the word of God today. I'm coming to deliver the holy message of Christ to a flock of sheep that he loves and cares for so much. On the way here, I go to put on a a YouTube worship song, and I get a pornographic text from some random number full of women, like naked women all on the photo, on my way to church to preach the word of God. You want to talk about war, guys? We're in it. We're in war, and you got to know this. You have to know the devil is real. We're at war for babies' lives. We're at war for our nation. We're at war for biblical marriage, guys. We're at war, guys. I'm 36, but I don't remember. When my parents got divorced and I was four or five years old, it was weird. People still stayed married back in my day still. I know I'm not old school, you know, like some of you guys, but I remember the days. There was not one homosexual kid in my entire school. And if they were, they wouldn't come out the closet and brag about it. They wouldn't brag about their sin. 
We have become a depraved, you know what this world is right now? It's like one giant Sodom and Gomorrah crying out to God, send your balls of fire, we don't even care. That's what this world is becoming right now, guys. And I hate to be the, the prophet blowing the trumpet on a hill, but man, we're not hearing it, guys. We're fighting for biblical marriage. We're fighting for our families. We're fighting for our freedoms. We're at war, guys. We are at war. And this is spiritual warfare to the highest degree. You see, when you read Revelation and all that begins to unfold in the end times, you see the most intense increase in demonic warfare ever in the history of the world. I mean, there's things unlocked from the abyss. It says in the Bible, there's never been a time. You know what's interesting in Ecclesiastes? He said everything that was will be. Like cycles, history, it will just repeat itself over and over until the end times. You know what the Bible says? In that time, it's going to be unlike any other time in the history of the world. It's going to get so dark. And that's what we're approaching, guys. That's what we're getting close to. A time unlike, unprecedented. I understand, you know, many of you are older saints here. You've been at war many years. You've, you've been fighting this spiritual battle before I was even born. I get it. But can I encourage you, like, as a younger missionary, evangelist, I don't care what you call me. I just want to, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Amen? I don't, well, call me whatever else you want. I don't care. But as a young man who loves Jesus, sharing this gospel, going to the front lines, I want to encourage you guys, we need you. We need you older saints not to fall asleep on us. We need your wisdom. We need your, just your emotional stability and spiritual care. I mean, when I came back from Brazil, I was a wreck. You can ask Pastor Joe. <laughs> I had to go through fervent prayer, you know, get some inner healing and all that stuff. Because it's hard out there, guys. It's war. I had brothers betraying me. Christian leaders and pastors slandering us. This is real stuff. And we need each other. I love what, I love what Greg Laurie said. He said, you know, he's not a big fan of these youth churches. And, and churches full of old people only and churches full of young people only. He said, that's not a healthy family. When you look at a healthy family, you know, a healthy family is not a house full of teenagers running the show. <laughs> There's no, you know, there's no wisdom there. There's no guidance. There's no, wait, that's a bad decision, young bucks. But then if you have a house full of older people and there's no youth, there's no life. There's no new life. There's no, and you see, guys, a healthy family has the grandparents, the parents, the grandkids, right? That's a real family. And, and as older saints, I don't, I don't want you guys to lose your generation, and I get it. We're young. We're eggheads. You know, we're disrespectful. We don't respect. I, I see these young Christians now, and it's almost like they have no clue who the Billy Grahams are and the Pastor Joes are. There's no honor for the elders. They don't know any church history. And, uh, you know, I try to whack them a little and give them some respect in, the, in, their, in their life. But it's tough. I get it, guys. But don't abandon this generation. We need you. We need you guys. And, and when, when times of war come, right, like I was talking about with Pastor Joe, it's interesting you ever watch those old films? I mean, only the only veteran I know in here is Pastor Joe, but I call him, I, I look at myself like a soldier of God, but I never fought a physical war. But when I watch these films, it, it just ex interests me. You, you notice how these soldiers, when there's no battle being fought on the front lines, 
they tend to start bickering and fighting in the camp and getting boxing gloves on and punching each other in the face and just doing stupid stuff because they're not fighting and engaging the real enemy, right? They're just idle time. But when the heat comes and the war really comes and the battle comes to the front lines, they put all their toys down, they put all their boxing gloves down, they pick up their guns and they unite arms and they fight together, guys. This is what's happening or what needs to happen today in the body of Christ. It's time we gotta, we got to put aside our little toys and our games and our boxing gloves and our ring, you know, jabbing each other with our doctrines. And we need to get together, unite arms, pick up our spiritual weapons of war, and get in the game and get in the war. It's not a game. Get in the fight together against the real enemy. Amen? Look, guys, I told you this wasn't going to be an easy one to stomach. It's only getting worse from here. I'm just warning you. The Bible talks about perilous times will come. We live in dark days. I don't want to be the gloom and doom guy. I'm, I, I say these things because the Bible says it. The Bible says it, guys. Let me just tell you what the scripture says. Okay? Jesus said in Matthew 24, Dark days will come in the last days. Dark days. You can read the whole chapter. I'm just summarizing it for you. Dark days are coming, guys. Persecution, wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilence, plagues in various places. Earthquakes. And it will get worse, increasingly, increasingly worse until the second coming of the Lord. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 through 4, I won't read it all, but I'm quoting. He said, in the last days, perilous times. What time do we live in? Perilous times. That's what, that's what time it is. That's the season we live in. Perilous. Jesus said to the religious people in his day, he said, you know when the summer's coming, you can look up and see the seasons changing when the clouds turn red. But you don't know the season in which you live in. He was talking about spiritually. He was rebuking them. He was showing them, you know when it's springtime. You know when it's summertime. You know when the winter's about to come because the leaves change. But you don't know when the kingdom of God is right in front of you. You don't know how much time you have left. You don't know what season you're in. See, church, we have to understand the time and season. Unless, lest we fall asleep if we don't. You see, when you don't think you're in a war and you don't feel like you're in a war, and you don't want to engage in war, you'll get comfortable. You'll get comfortable, you'll get complacent, and you'll fall asleep. It's the nature of man. You know, last night, me and my wife, we pray. I mean, we don't just do ministry, we pray, right? We were praying and worshiping up until like midnight. And I literally, I felt the Spirit of God say, don't, like no one went to bed. I felt the Spirit of God, don't fall asleep yet. And I prayed through a few more minutes, and I was gone. Boof. Gone. <laughs> Out. And I woke up 7 in the morning. Lord, I repent. Because he told me to stay awake and pray. But it's human nature, right? If we don't, if we don't get this and let this sink into our hearts, we easily get comfortable. In Ephesians, Paul said, Redeem the time for the days. What are the days? Evil. The days are evil. In Psalms, David wrote this, Lord, teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. 
Teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. What is he saying? In other words, help me calculate how much time I have left on earth that I won't waste my life doing meaningless, vain things. See, guys, I think some of us, maybe, maybe this church needs to sit back for a while. I'm talking to myself. I mean, this church, I'm talking to us, me. We might need to sit back and pray as a church and count the number of our days we have left and say, what is the most crucial thing and the thing you're calling us to do in such an hour, Lord? See, because we can just continue the cycles and the circles, but God, you know what he says? The Bible says, I love this. This was Peter who wrote this. I'm just quoting because of time. He says, for now, you know what time it is? Now it is high season. It's high time to wake up. These are scriptures written through men of God, apostles, Paul, Peter, unctioned by the Holy Spirit, and they were speaking to churches, guys. They weren't talking to the world. Paul, again in Ephesians, says, Ephesians 5, verse 14, if you're taking note, you should read this and know this. He said, awake, awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you strength, and the light of God will shine upon you. You see, guys, he was talking to the church. And I want to say this in the most tender, humble, loving, caring way, but I, I must say what the Holy Spirit has compelled me to and what the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. Some of us are still sleeping, guys. Even here, even watching, even in this room. In certain areas of our life, we're still sleeping. Just like King David and the children of Israel, chosen people of God, who do they represent? The church. Israel represents the modern-day church. The pro- they were in the promised land, right? What does that represent? Christ and all the promises are yes and amen we have in Christ. But yet there was all these enemies still in their land. You know what David did? You know how he rose to prominence, how he rose to be the great king that he was? The first thing he did when he took his rulership, he went to the worst part of Israel to fight the nastiest, most violent, most dangerous enemies in the land. They were called the Jebusites. And you know what? You know why? And you know where they were? They were in Jerusalem. So here's the children of God, the people of God. They're in the promised land, but the Jebusites, the enemies, are in control of the central station. The enemies are in control of the central station. And David, there was a king before him. The children of Israel were in the land before him. They didn't clear the ground. They didn't conquer the enemies. They didn't obey the Lord. Saul was removed because of disobedience. But David went in and he slaughtered the Jebusites. And he took the city and Jerusalem became the capital where God's kingdom reigned. You see, guys, there's, there's ground in the church. There's ground in America. And I, I, I'm just in, in the spirit of God is upon me. And I say it with weeping and with love and tears. We are going to, if we sit back, you know what we're doing right now, guys, as the church in America. It's the same thing. 
I can see it right now as clear as day. It's the same thing that America did when the world was at war in World War II. We were sleeping and we were folding our hands while the enemy, Hitler, was slaughtering millions of people. And we didn't want to get involved. We didn't want to put our hand in. I get it. World War I just happened and the Great Depression. And we got our own issues, right? I get it. But guess what? The enemy came to our front ground, our front door. And what did it do? It woke us up. You know when they bombed Pearl Harbor? You know what, you know what the Japanese general said? They bombed Pearl Harbor. They killed thousands of our own people. You know what the enemy said? He said, man, I fear we've done nothing more than awaken a sleeping giant. You know, when will the sleeping giant in America arise? Because what is the devil doing? He's taking our ground, guys. Right as I'm speaking and preaching to you, he's taking, marijuana is being legalized everywhere. Drugs are taking over our youth. The, the, the pornography is being filtered into every phone. The generation is being lost. The darkness is creeping in. And all the good men are doing nothing. All the Christians are hiding in the hole. Lord, save me now. And we're, we're, wait, we're waiting. What are we waiting for, church? You are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. I'm saying this in, in love. Like, I've said this a lot of times here in other places, but you guys aren't hearing me. And I'm speaking to myself. The Spirit of the Lord is speaking to us. This is it, guys. It's like now or never. It is time. I said the same message. My mom was there four years ago. I preached the same sermon. And you know the church did hallelujah, amen, and go right back to sleep. Who's preaching the gospel, guys? You tell me you love the Lord and you're about the kingdom of God. It's not about just going to church on Sunday and singing a few songs and saying hallelujah. Let me tell you something, guys. How many of you, I'm challenging you with love, I'm compelling you with love. How many of you went out to a neighbor this week or a coworker or someone at the grocery store and just shared anything, anything with them about Jesus? Don't tell me we love God and we want to see people saved. Don't tell me we're about the kingdom and the Father's business. Don't tell me we're ready and we're awake when the world is burning around us, guys, and we're doing nothing. Yes, we have service. We welcome people in. We got to continue. I'm not saying this is bad, but this is a very small part. It's a very small part of Christianity. Christianity is Sunday through Sunday, guys. It's not Sunday morning for two hours and then go eat a hamburger and watch football. And then do your life and come back and sing hallelujah. We are talking about eternal souls. We're talking about eternal souls. Some of you won't even see next year. And yes, you have eternal life, praise God. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ, praise God. There's no judgment upon you, praise God. But look at the world. Look at the world, guys. What is happening? I'm compelled by the Spirit of the Lord. And I can't sleep anymore. I can't let the Jebusites run around in my land anymore. I'm tired. Not on my watch. And look, even if I'm alone, 
You know why so many people are confused about what we do? Because they're not doing it. I was asking my wife, I'm like, why is everyone confused about what we do? Because they're not doing it. You know why you don't get it? Because you don't do it. If you, if you do it, you'll get it. If you do it, you'll get it, guys. You'll lose it if you just hear it and don't do it. Because through much is given, much is required. You can't just hear and not apply it. You can't just hear and not do. You receive it, you apply it, and you live it, and then it becomes what your, your life is. You see, the last days, Jesus' end times discourse, this thing's just been sticking with me since last year. I can't get it off my chest. Since Matthew 24, the end times discourse of Jesus, Right after that, he goes into some parables, and this is what the end will look like. This is what the kingdom of heaven will look like in the last times. Parable of the ten virgins. Read it for homework. Ten virgins, five wise, five foolish, and guess what? They all fell asleep. Who do the foolish represent? Unbelievers, fake Christians, the world, I don't know. They're not believers, I know that much. The five wise represent the church, believers, And you know what believers are doing in the last days, falling asleep just like the foolish. Ten ten virgins, five wise, five foolish, they all fell asleep. Because the night got long, the bridegroom delayed his coming, and it got dark, and the time dragged on, and they fell asleep. You know what I love in that parable? (laughs) I I don't know, man, I just... It just, this thing just came to me. I just saw it recently, and it just stuck with me ever since. There was an 11th man in the parable. There was an 11th person in the parable. It wasn't Jesus, and it wasn't the 10. There was an 11th man in the parable, and he was the one man awake in the story, and he was in the streets, and he was crying out to the people, Awake! Awake! The bridegroom is coming! Awake! I'm crying out, world, awake! I'm crying out to the church, awake. Do you hear the Spirit of God, he who has an ear? Awake. I want to be the 11th man, I don't know about you. You don't need to fall asleep in the last days, guys. The Holy Spirit can quicken you. The Holy Spirit of God can awaken you. You can be the 11th man in the parable. You can be faithful to the end. Jesus said you can because he's in you. He who overcame the world lives in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. I hope by now we're feeling this conviction of the spirit. I hope by now your heart is crying, what must I do? I pray it is because if not, you're spiritually dead. At least if you're hearing and you're burning and you're sweating or your heart's, something's happening, there's life in you still. Praise God. But spiritual apathy has to go, church. Spiritual laziness is sin. The spiritual slumber displeases God, especially in such an hour as this, guys. I'll say it, and I'll say it till I'm dead and blue in the face. I know some of you are very awake here. I know some of you are very alert and very faithful. But I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to land on some of you. What can I say practically in closing? I'm just going to take a few more minutes to give us some things that we could maybe put into practice. How do we apply all this? What, you know, how do we apply what we've heard to our lives? It's so interesting, right, when Jesus gave this whole end times discourse, 
he right after gave them parables and how to apply it to their life. He talked about the ten virgins. He talked about staying awake, staying alert. Don't lose your oil. Don't burn out. He talked about giving with your talents. That was right after the end times discourse. He talked about being faithful with your time and your talents. So he gives practical things we can do. You see, one, there's one thing we can do with our life, most important above all, and it's to give it all to Jesus. See, there's a calendar of your life. I'm just going to take a few more minutes, but this will help apply it all. If you need a breath, breathe it in. God has a calendar of your life. There's three very important dates. Three very important dates that you never want to forget. They're probably the most important days of your life. The first one's the day you were born. Every one of us had a birth date. Every one of us had a beginning. Ecclesiastes 3 said there's a time to be born. And you must understand that God created you. You were born by God. You were born because of His purposes. And at such a time as this, God chose you, me, and us to be alive in this season. In this era, he didn't choose Billy Graham. He didn't choose D.L. Moody before him. He didn't choose the Apostle Paul and Peter. He chose us for this season right now. And isn't that incredible? Do you understand your significance and importance? He chose you to be here for such a time as this right now. You to be the answer. God told the prophet Jeremiah, he said in Jeremiah 1 verse 4, God told the prophet, he said, before you were born, I knew you. He said, it was I, the Lord was speaking, I who formed you in your mother's womb, and it was I who set you apart to be my prophet to the nations. In other words, God said, I created you, and I am your maker, and I am your God, and I formed you to be my instrument for such a time as this. Do you understand that's the purpose of your life? That's why you're alive right now. It doesn't matter how young or old we are. You're alive right now. You're created by God. He has a purpose to use you in your generation, in your season, and it's your time to rise, guys. What do you do when you wake up? You arise, right? You can't arise and step into your call and your destiny until you wake up. That's why awakening is so important. That's why revival is so important. Because it launches people into their destinies. It launches people into their callings. And to fulfill the work God's called them to do. So Christian, you need to understand your life on earth is very significant. If you're watching online, God has chosen you. God has chosen you. Are you hearing me? He's chosen you. On, he's chosen you to go and preach the gospel in Thailand and reach lost souls that have never heard the good news of Jesus and maybe never will. He's called you, church, to reach your neighbors. That's why he put you right there next to those lost people. I got a Jehovah Witness on one side. I got Hindus on the other side. It's time to reach them. You know, church, we're not here to grovel on the ground like a worm and just make it to the next Sunday service. Oh, thank you, Lord. I got a little dose of the Holy Ghost. And then go back and grovel through the week. That's not our calling, guys. We're more than conquerors through Him who loves us. Right? We're, we're called to live for Him, to live as Christ, to die as gain. 
We're called to serve him. We have a mighty God. We're not supposed to just slide through the, oh, the wicked world. It's just beating me up. Oh, it's taking all the... Guys, we're alive, and Christ lives in us. The second day on his calendar, the big one, there's a time to be born, but there's a time to die. As Ecclesiastes says, and you know, I'm just going to, we already went through this a lot. I'm just going to touch on it one more time. Our life on earth is going to end, guys. It's soon will end. The Bible says, as for man, his days are like grass. The wind blows over its place and it's gone and it remembers it no more. Life is like a vapor. The Word of God says it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. Our days are limited, guys. And the day of your death, I just want to share this. I didn't even get to the Scripture because the Spirit of God just landed on me, but the day of your death, it's not an accident. It's an actual appointment with God. Do you know that? The day of your death is not an accident. It's an appointment with God. It's the one in 2 Corinthians 6. I'm just quoting it quickly. The Bible says, For in an acceptable time the Lord has heard you, and in the day of salvation he has helped you. And then the Lord says, Behold, today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Now, guys, you see, there's an appointment with God. Well, once you die, it is appointed once for a man to die, and then he faces judgment, right? If we have an appointment with a dentist or a doctor, what do we do? We get up and we get ready. We prepare ourselves. It's simple. If you have a meeting with a mayor or maybe a governor what would you do what if the president or the king of a nation called to you for counsel for prayer how would you prepare yourself you would rearrange your schedule i'm sure you would change your filthy walmart clothing you would buy a nice suit you would clean your face you would brush your teeth you would comb your hair you would get ready right you would do everything possible to prepare yourself Church, we have an appointment with the King of Kings. We have an appointment with the King of Heaven. Your death is an appointment with God. And you know, the people who, to me, the ones that are most awake and ready, you can tell. You can tell if you're ready or awake. You know why? You're excited about death. <laughs> you know that? You, you want to know how you're, I can give you the, a simple tool. You want to know if you're ready to meet the Lord? Are you excited about your appointment with death? Are you excited about your appointment with God? See, because if you're excited, I think about my granny. Man, for 10 years, all she talked about was dying. She's like, man, I'm ready to just meet my Jesus. I'm ready to go be with the Lord. I'm ready to be in heaven. See, because she served the Lord faithfully. She loved God, guys. I think about my mama, Deborah, who just passed. She was ready. She was ready, guys. Paul, the apostle, said to live is Christ and to die is gain. To be absent from the body is present with the Lord. So in closing, here's, here's how, just some practical things that may help you in your going before you 
face your appointment with death and meet your maker. Here's just some statements that I love. They're so short and just rich. This was actually Billy, one of Billy Graham's favorite statements, but it came from a man named C.T. Studd. He was the one who first penned it. He said, just one life to live, and when it's gone and passed, only what's done for Christ will last. The evangelist, the preacher, they call him the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, he once said, if you have a work to do for God, you must do it now, for death will soon overtake you. That one, let that sink in. Jim Elliott, I love him. He's one of my heroes of the faith. He was a missionary martyr in the Amazon where I served for a number of years. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Jesus said, whoever tries to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The way to truly live, the purpose of this life, and your little tiny bit of time left on earth is to serve Jesus with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and to love him and worship him. Give him your all, guys, because time's ticking, and it's not waiting for no one. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, we just, man, I feel, Lord, I just feel shaken in my own spirit. There's things in my life I know need to go. There's a time to throw away and a time to gather. There's some things I need to throw away, God. Just things that are just wasting my time. And Lord, I pray as your word went forth, the Holy Spirit, I know this was difficult, Lord. I know this was challenging. I know this was a wake-up call. I know this was ringing the alarm and blowing the trumpet. But, Lord, your word says, woe to those who are at ease in Zion. Lord, I'm not a false prophet, and I never will be. I'm here to declare the word of the Lord, God, and let the chips fall where they may. Lord, and I just pray even for myself, for my house, for this church, God, and our house here. Lord, that we will awaken, awaken, Lord, and live a life that is worthy of the calling that we have received, God. Father, I believe there's things in all of our lives that are just a waste of time. Little things, little foxes. I pray you will search the hearts of men. I'm not pointing my finger at anyone. I'm letting you search my own heart right now, Lord. And I pray for everyone watching online and just here today that, Lord, they will allow you to search their hearts, their homes, for anything that is just distractions, weights. They don't even need to be sins, God. Maybe they're not idols or big sins, but just weights that are easily besetting us from running the race and finishing well. Lord, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to awaken us, to open our eyes, to see things we never saw before, to do things we never did before, to be ready. God, I don't want to be even the five wise virgins sleeping. I want to be the one that's awake, crying out in the streets. Lord, help us, God, help us, because we need you. This isn't a message of condemnation, but this is a message of uplifting, taking us up higher, Lord. Jesus, Paul wrote in your scriptures that we would press on toward the upward call. We're supposed to go up, church. We're supposed to be going higher. We're supposed to be going forward. 
We're pressing forward. We cannot retreat. We cannot hide and go into the bushel, go under the bushel. This is a time for war. This is a time to engage. This is a time for the kingdom of God to press ahead. And we're just here, Father, to do your will. So whatever's stopping that, whatever's stopping that, Lord, we just give you permission to break it off of us right now in Jesus' name. I pray it breaks off of people. Hindrances, lies of the devil, Father, sins, weights, Father, deceptions, unbelief right now. I pray it comes off of people in the name of Jesus, Father. Thinking they're too old or they're, that you're already finished with them, that they already did their work, Father. They're not finished yet because they're still here. And I pray right now you would give them a new strength, a new strength in the name of Jesus, Father, a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost, Father. And we can't have fire. We can't have fire until we present ourselves as a, as a sacrifice. We want fire. We cry out for fire. But it comes, fire comes on the altar that has a sacrifice on it. So, Lord, we present our lives as a living sacrifice. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, God, as a living sacrifice, presenting my body holy, pleasing, and acceptable to you, God. Let not my lips praise you, Father, and my life say something else. God, let not, oh, Lord, God, let us not be hypocrites and let us not stand before you on the day of judgment, God, and here I never knew you. Or, Father, let us not be welcomed into the kingdom and be all of our works be burned up because we were unfaithful with our time and our talents and the messages you spoke to our lives, God. I pray over your people. I pray over the church in America. I pray the sleeping giant will arise, God. It is time. It is time for the church in America to arise. It is time. Awaken. I'm prophesying over this, this sleepy giant in America. It is time to awake. Awake, you dry bones, and come back alive. It's time for war, and the army of the living God, it's time to rise. So come back alive now, you dry bones. Come out. Come out of the ground. Start moving and shaking right now. I pray for churches all across America, God. I pray that the false prophets, their mouths will be silenced, God. These prophets of ease and comfort and complacency will be silenced. And I pray that the true prophets of the Lord will arise and proclaim your word with power and authority. Once again, Lord, fear of God, let it fall in America. Fear of God, let it fall in our hearts and our homes. Fear of God, let us forget, Father, the former things. Let us forget the world. Father, for who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them, God. Let us forget our little retirement plans and our saving of ourselves, God, and forsake ourselves in our lives and give it all to you, Jesus. Or we're just playing church. We're just playing hypocrite. So, Lord, Father, have your way. This is a call from heaven. This is a trumpet sound, and we hear it, God. We hear it. But help us, help us, Holy Spirit, to do it. I refuse to go back. I refuse to retreat. Lord, help us. In Jesus' mighty name, help us. Thank you, Lord. I thank you. I feel like you're raising up people even right now. You're raising up your army. And I just pray if you're watching online. We're already closed. The saints here are just in the spirit, just praying. But there was a third day. I didn't get time to talk about it. But if you're watching online or you're here, there's the day you're born. There's the day you will die and stand before God. But the third day is the day you can be born again. It is the day of salvation. And as Lewis just goes and plays this final song, I just encourage, I encourage the church to just continue praying, seeking the Holy Ghost, seeking the Lord Jesus. 
But if you're watching and listening to me online, I, I think there's just some person there. I want you to know that you can be saved. That today is the day of salvation and now is the acceptable time. You want to know what time it is? It's time for you to repent and it's time for you to call on the name of the Lord Jesus for all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's the word of God. That's not my word. Jesus said, call on me. Come to me. All who come, I will never cast them out. All who come heavy laden. He says, burdened down. If you're a Christian or not, he says, just come to me. You can be burdened down and heavy laden by life. I will lift your burdens. I will take away your cares and sorrows. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I know this was a heavy message, but he wants to lift your heavy load and give you his love and peace and joy. So just turn to Jesus right now. Just say, Jesus, if that's you, or you watch this maybe later down the road, or you're watching live, just say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Just say, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you're the Savior. And you died for my sins on the cross. You paid the price for me. And I receive your forgiveness. I confess my sins. And I receive your mercy today. Forgive me. Just say, Jesus, forgive me. I cried this prayer, this simple prayer. Forgive me, Lord. That's all I said 20 years ago. And the Lord transformed my entire life. Just say, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me. Save me. I'm yours. I give my heart and life to you forever. Use me for your glory and fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. hope you're all awake now. If you aren't, it's time to awake.
Well, I have one thing to say to this message in three words. Amen and amen. amen. <laughs> God bless you. Amen. I love you all.